now for our feature presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Botching It Up podcast. Every bruise, bump, and botch. Wrestling, you've been put on notice. Oh, let's get ready to ramble! What's up? This is the Botching Up podcast, and this week we're talking about Backlash 2006, because WrestleMania's Backlash is coming up this month, and we also started playing SmackDown vs. Raw, and the first pay-per-view on that is Backlash, so we thought it was quite fitting. As always, you and me, Benito, and my good friend Basil. Hey Ben, I I wanted to ask you a question. After this pay-per-view, did you lose religion, or did you go watch See No Evil? I I became a diehard... Oh, I've forgotten it. Was it a McManus? McManism. McManism. Yeah. I've been part of McManism myself for for nearly two decades now. Fifteen years. It yeah. feels a, it feels a lot like Scientology. Like you put a hell of a lot of money into it, but you don't seem to get much back. <laughs> Was that nine ninety nine a month? <laughs> well, plus all the other bullshit I've bought from Wilco over the years. <laughs> So you said it nicely on Twitter the other day. We've nursed our WrestleMania hangovers, and we're finally recording again. Yeah, it was a it was a long, long old period of rehabilitation after those two nights. But back to back four hours. Can you really blame us? I don't think so. It wasn't even a bad WrestleMania, but it was just like that's enough wrestling for a little while. Let's go do yeah. some other things in life. Well, I was I was told that in no uncertain terms. <laughs> Once you left on Monday. Uh, there was there, there would be no Raw that week, no SmackDown that week. <laughs> I was I was given an enforced week off, so um, which was actually refreshed me. So I, I'm quite happy to watch binge watch wrestling again now, especially with a new TV. But what can we really say about this show? Jesus Christ, this is of its era. Right, we got to talk about God, haven't we? Well, let me just lay out the lay out the the zone for you first. This is WWE Backlash 2006. It happened on the 30th of April. It was from the Rupp Arena, Lexington, Kentucky, and I think Kentucky is quite well known for its religious fervor. I assume that's on purpose. And this was a raw branded show, so there's there's no SmackDown. This was back when it was still a proper split. Yeah. Do you know the buy rate? Because I do. <sighs> 240,000? Yeah, something like that. Boom. Well done. I I memorized it. <laughs> Which is a pretty good buy rate. I mean, that's that's close to what uh, UFC does nowadays on a, on a mediocre show. That's probably pretty good. But just before we get started on God, um, I wanted to ask you, do you... Do you feel like WrestleMania backlash, as just opposed to backlash, has added any interest to this year's backlash absolutely not because i think for 20 years we all know it's been called backlash because it's the next big show after wrestlemania like and usually doesn't backlash always have the the rematches from mania as well yeah i don't know it's just it's just those buzzwords isn't it to try and get it on twitter and youtube and in front of is this a cheap marketing ploy for peacock maybe yes exactly it's it's just another one of those stupid tagline things that they do to uh to get it on google or whatever when they said when they mentioned it at wrestlemania i genuinely thought i just misheard them because i was drunk or michael cole was drunk but i i couldn't actually believe that that was the new marketing anyway god (laughs) so in 2006 mr mcmahon decides that he's too big and important and egotistical to fight any wrestler anymore and he decides to take on our lord almighty with the product of his semen as he so lovingly <laughs> puts it chain mcmahon uh and god's ta- tag team partner is Shawn michaels so at wrestlemania it was vince mcmahon versus Shawn michaels which was a great match and then a month later we have this no hold barred handicap match as Shawn Michaels puts it, but Vince McMahon is adamant that God will be in HBK's corner. Which And he was. Lo and behold, he was. I saw him come down with my own eyes to funky music. Yes. Yes. So, well, before before we talk about the match, this should was... we talk about the two promos going into this match? Because... They, uh, those two promos were the only things that got five stars on this because card from me. They, like you said, they were a product of their era, and... Definitely the second one. I was like, how has Vince McMahon not been me <laughs> Uh that I mean, that's tame. 
but I'm surprised that they haven't edited that one out. They, um, but I guess I, I guess that it's more interesting what they have edited out if that's just normal, fine, acceptable. <laughs> because it, remember what they remember what they said when they were doing edits on Peacock. They said they want it to represent WWE's values in 2021. Mm. By God, Hildy's voluptuous breasts is is very much still of Vince McMahon's current ethos. So this was the second promo of the night. Uh, what was, I don't know who even who she was. Candice Michelle, I think. No, it wasn't Candice Michelle. Or maybe it was. Was it? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was. All so right. Can, well, she, Candice... she comes in with her boobs out, basically, in this dress where you can see everything. And she's ill. And Vince McMahon has already showed us in the first promo his, his almighty powers. And she wants him to heal her. So he touches her head, and she's like lower, touches her shoulders lower, touches her waist higher, and he's obviously getting old man horny as he touches her up. Yeah. Touches her breast, she starts to be healed, they fall on the sofa, and then Shane has to... They have like a weird, long, overlong orgasm, mutual orgasm. (laughs) And like, if this had happened in 97 or 98, I wouldn't bat an eyelid, but like... 2006 seems a bit late for this kind of behavior, no? I think uh, JR summed it quite up quite well by when they cut back to camera and he just said, what the hell was that? I think JR <laughs> like, was not having fun on this night. <laughs> no, he definitely wasn't. He was a moody old man on this night. I can't um, remember what the line was that closed the show. Uh, look, just not didn't close the show, but he, the line he had when the match ended, the God match. But you yeah. could just tell he was pissed. But this, I really, I really loved both of these Vince promos, and I also think that Vince McMahon, I, I've got a theory that Vince McMahon purposely tanned himself so much that he would actually go red and look like Satan versus Shawn Michaels and God. Okay, yeah, that's cool. I because that's how though. carny he is. <laughs> Have you ever seen anything carnier than this, mate? No, not at all. <laughs> this, is, this is ridiculous. I would also like to talk about the first one, which was actually my favorite yeah, well, it was, promo. Yeah, it was even better. I think it was maybe my favorite promo of all time. <laughs> wow. And, wait, I mean, no one could have got away with this other than Vince. No. I, I really miss this Vince McMahon. People talk shit about Vince McMahon nowadays. I don't think people have seen some of this gold. Mm. Probably because Vince puts it in the vault. But like, this is just classic stuff. So we're backstage with Vince and Shane, and they're talking shit on God. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, well, they were. Some of the some of the ways. Imagine playing a game where you had to describe some of the things that you saw on this show without explaining what it was. Yeah. So you've got you've got uh, a man fighting the literal figment of God while creating water and bread. You've got a, a man picking another a, a man's nose and then shoving it into somebody else's man's face. You've got a man controlling a speaker system and talking, having it talk to himself while he beats his head <laughs> against the floor. This was this was attitude nonsense in two thousand six. <laughs> ridiculous! It's crazy. He throws some water on the floor, then stamps around on it that he can walk on water. <laughs> That one, that one got me, man. That was funny. I still enjoy it. That stands up. That and then the, the next one I didn't really get. Obviously, he's doing the um, the bread and the, the fish for the five thousand. But I, I think he, I think he forgot himself what the actual story was. He seemed very confused. <laughs> yeah, because he said, "I don't really know how it goes because I don't read the Bible." Yeah. But, you so know. he throws he throws a bit of bread off, and then a load of loaves get thrown back onto camera. Shane's confused about the entire thing. But just, like, the magic of wrestling sometimes. You never quite know what you're going to get. I didn't I didn't tune into this show to think that I was going to watch Vince McMahon, a, a, a certified billionaire, being pelted with fish. But, like, <laughs> anything goes in wrestling. You never know what you're going to... What you're going to see. I, I think it was a nice little touch where uh, Shane McMahon's water actually got turned into wine for after Vince had walked oh, off yeah. set as well. I thought yeah, that, that was, was funny. Yeah, that was the other one. So then we get to the actual match, and then Shane and Vince come out, and then Vince cuts a promo on God. This is just ridiculous to <laughs> it's say. A, it was a great promo I, it, as well. Only Vince could get away with this. <laughs> 
I think maybe him and Ric Flair are the only people that could do this kind of promo and it just not be embarrassing. I think he even said at the start something like, um, I don't, you leave God to me because whatever God can do, I can do better. <laughs> so a spot, there's the spotlight, yeah, the, isn't it, uh, that comes to the ring. Yeah. Vince makes the ref pat God down for any illegal objects. <laughs> it's... it's, it's I mean, it would be interesting to know what someone heavily religious thinks of this, but I can imagine... I would imagine this would be incredibly blasphemous to a, a lot of very religious people. Like, this is not just... It's not just, like, representing God in a bad manner, but it's doing it on a blasphemous... In, like, such a blasphemous way. On a show filled with, like, sex jokes, prepubescent humour, and, you know... <laughs> and, and lots and lots of blood. blood. and violence. So and, it's yeah. just... I'm surprised Kentucky didn't write well, it. I, I, like I said, I think JR was extremely uncomfortable calling this match. He's probably a religious he man. He is, he is, yeah. And then the actual match itself, apart from in the middle when Vince gets on the mic again and seems to think that God is leaving his tag team partner behind and walking up the ramp, um, they didn't really do anything with it, which I think was good. I think that made the match good, that they didn't play into it too much. No, well, I mean, how? what can you really do? Well, in the build-up, they had uh, pyros going off in Vince's face and stuff, and I kind of thought maybe something like that would happen, or like some Undertaker-style lightning would hit the ring or something. Yeah, but, I mean, but, right. but there's a difference between... Uh, having a supernatural character in your wrestling show doing supernatural stuff and it, like with if it's your own universe and you're the creator of this comic book world actually acknowledging the existence of god <laughs> to save Shawn michaels i think that's a little bit too yeah, far. i didn't put it past them though to do something like that well it's funny that you said that because i went back and read a contemporary review of this show from somebody that watched it live in 2006 yeah. And it just shows me how whiny and boring wrestling fans truly are. Because the guy I was reading was on a site that's quite well known. And first of all, he complained about the Candice, Michelle and Vince McMahon promo. Because he said the acting was really bad. Oh, come on. <laughs> of course it's bad. <laughs> then, yeah. then he got really upset. He said it was a waste of money. They had taken his money for, and robbed him of his money. Because God didn't actually turn up. <laughs> <laughs> fucking false advertising man that's fantastic so was he expecting like someone dressed up as god to come out i did i think so yeah yeah that would have been very Which, again, bad though that would have been awful again wouldn't put it past them though no i i think they did it the best that they could i, I mean this was one year after muhammad hassan this was when Gillian Hall still had a giant wart on her face that the boogeyman ate off. Okay. What did you think of the match? I, you know what? It was an alright match. Um, so it was no hold barred. The Spirit Squad interfere. And um, uh, Shawn Michaels is going to go finish the match, but he jumps off the ladder hitting all of the Spirit Squad. Then they come back and put Shawn through a table to pretty much end the match. I think it was like nearly everything I've seen of Vince McMahon, apart from that Bret Hart match. This was highly entertaining for me with some really good spots. I was invested in the feud uh, just for entertainment purposes. And they actually went pretty hard, like especially in the first half of the match. McMahon took a, a big big bump off the stage. Yep. Shane um, got his head hit against the, the backlash scissors set you, which i've always did you loved. see that it swung so hard the referee had to like go catch it I, i'm assuming you were scared it was gonna i missed that fall onto them yeah the, i mean one thing you have to say about the mcmahon's is that they they do exactly what they expect other people to do like the chair shot that i think vince vince had just before the uh, spirit squad came out was disgusting yeah like did you actually hear that chair shot it was horrible um yeah no i i enjoyed it the, one one thing that i one little spot that i wanted to uh mention shane when they first get to the top of the ramp shane has got sean michaels and is looking to backwards power drive him off yeah. the ramp what was that <laughs> have you i've never seen that before have you ever seen shane even do a pole driver no no so well, obviously he didn't take it shane um uh hbk did a, a backdrop but um yeah, but that's like quite an insane tease. That is like 
That's that's death, I think. Well, in 2006, pole drivers were still common, though. Or were they banned back then? Uh, just before they got banned, I think. Just before. Yeah, so they would have been slightly commonplace. Well, not common, but, you know, you would have seen them. I thought this was really clever booking. Another shout out to the Spirit Squad for lifting Shawn Michaels about 20 feet into the air before he got through a table. That looked brutal. Yeah. But I thought this was really clever booking because they had a great feud with between Michaels and McMahon. And then they had the big swerve where God didn't actually turn up. Um, they had the Spirit Squad come out and that means that Shawn needs to go back to the drawing board and even the numbers. And this would, of course, lead to the resurrection of DX and I thought that was such a and then of the DX faced the McMahons for the pretty much the rest of the year what a clever way to build a, an entire year's worth of a feud yeah no I like it the the match was really good Vince always has really good um uh weapons matches yeah he's had some classics uh, not not in terms of like a technical ability way but just in yeah, pure yeah, yeah. entertainment you can't beat and then them DX out. when they first came out were really good weren't they and then they became shit in what 2008 2009 2009 that's when they yeah, got that's when it was rough. but yeah when they first came back i remember a lot of their matches around this era and it was pretty good stuff so yeah well 2006 has always been my year man yeah i've i've definitely looked back on this show with rose tinted glasses well that that explains the rest of this card. so good old uncle dave gave this three and a quarter stars so did i oh there you go then there you go <laughs> uh, i really liked it i guess maybe because it's weapons and i'm a big fan of the McMahons in matches. It was like, nice like you to said, see Vince doing his thing. Yeah, like you said, Vince McMahon matches are always fun. If they're not, you know, they're not. They're always there's always shenanigans. So they're not proper classics, are they? But they're always fun. And um, yeah. I think Vince has been clever with his matches that Shane hasn't. In that there's always been a gimmick stipulation. There's a promo in the middle of the match. There's you know there's always there's always uh, smoke and mirrors. Wait. I wouldn't necessarily blame that on Shane, though. I, I blame that on Vince making Shane come back and wrestle every year. Yeah, yeah. But but Shane needs to do more gimmick matches rather than trying to have straight-up great matches with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was fun. It was ridiculous that God was booked on the poster of a wrestling show. <laughs> if anybody was going to do it, it would be Vince McMahon. Do you reckon, like... Since the early 90s, he had this idea, and he was just waiting for the right time to do it. I'm sure that he's got a, a little notebook for, full of secret things that he still wants to get achieved to this day. Ridiculous things, like poke Rey Mysterio's eyeball out. <laughs> you know that, I bet he writes, he writes one down every three months after a bad dream or something, and then you see them rolled out every five years. So the boogeyman was just a bad nightmare. I think he probably started with the idea of Gillian Hall having a wart that somebody else would eat, and then he created the Boogeyman specifically just for that, that one purpose. Spot. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's go through the rest of the card, match by match. There is a dark match which would have been on Heat. Was this? Did, was Heat still around in 06? Heat was still just about around. I think it, it would have it would die towards the so end. So Goldust beat Rob Conway in three minutes on Heat. I couldn't actually even find that. It wasn't on YouTube and it's not on the network, so it doesn't exist anymore. Oh, maybe it was. It just wasn't a dark even match on the D- It wasn't even on the DVD. Oh wow, must have been really bad. Then we open up with Carlito vs. Chris Masters, which um, I listened to Conrad and Shivani talk about this show. And they, yeah, I didn't and get they absolutely to shit on this opening match, but I actually really enjoyed it. And I'm wondering if it's just uh, nostalgia. I think a lot of this card was nostalgia for me. Uh, because it, You know, this is the first um, show... Sorry to cut you off. This is the first show we've done that's actually our era. Before this, it's either been modern stuff or 90s stuff. Yeah, and now I understand why people can sit through uh, Warlord versus... IRS and matches of that ilk for two hours on a WrestleMania four or whatever because I could happily sit and watch the undercard guys and the midcard guys of 2006 era just wrestle normal matches. I don't know what it is. It must be that nostalgia, but I, I I'm a lot more patient. I'm a lot more forgiving, and I'm a lot more entertained by watching stuff within this era. I'm a massive fan of Carlito. Oh no, I like both. Oh. I like both of them quite a lot. Okay. I was actually very disappointed when Carlito didn't stick around uh, after he got offered a contract. 
this year. Well, that's because he kind of got forced by social media to turn up, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> he didn't want the job. Bro. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he really wanted to. But he had to. Yeah. Anyway, no. This was this was a really fun opener. Um, but everyone seems to have shit on it. I thought they they were a little bit green. Um, obviously, Carlito was twenty seven here, and Chris Masters was twenty three. But I think they did. They worked well and. Unlike a lot of matches, there's so many matches on mainstream TV now that we watch where um, nobody really knows who the face is and who the heel is. I think Chris Masters especially was great at, at forecasting to even the most basic of audiences that he was the bad guy. Yeah. And I think Chris Masters is really, really good at that in general. And they, you no, know, I enjoyed it. I think they had a, a decent match. I think that obviously it could have been better. But um, as an opener, I would say solid. And I, as we go through the show, regardless of the actual quality of the matches or the quality of the entertainment, this show was booked way better than they book shows these days. Yeah, no, it was a perfect uh, layout to the whole card. Um, was Chris Masters a um, WWE project? He wasn't a wrestler beforehand, was he? I'm pretty sure he was a WWE project, or at the very least, he had done like a year in the indies and then was brought straight into their developmental. Because, right. I mean, he's only 23 here and he's already been with them since the start of like 2005. Was he like a bodybuilder or a weightlifter or something? I assume he's, yeah, uh, I would assume he was some sort of bodybuilder. Looking back here at Masters. Do you feel like his entire career was kind of ruined just by the fact that he was given the opportunity too young? Yeah. Because when we watch him in NWA now, he's a really good, solid hand. How old is he now? I have no idea. Uh, 38. So he's yeah. actually... he's just, Okay, so I suppose as a sports person, just past their prime. He was in his prime, what, five years ago or so? I think he really does deserve another run because they picked him up in 2009 but by that point they were done with him so he just had really good matches on superstars um, th th I mean this was about three to four months I think before he got suspended for um, sort of performance enhancing drugs or something like that and that was pretty much the end of his push right he had a great character in his first yeah, run it was old school it was old school, but he was just because you could you could tell even in this match like he was he was young and green. Whereas Carlito comes from a wrestling family, so I guess he's got that much more uh, stronger base trained into. Carlito him. still looked a little bit green here, but he was definitely leading Masters through the match. Yeah. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Okay, yeah, oh, it was an alright little opener. All right, next up we got Ric Flair doing the job. Woo! Can you believe it? To the fairly new Umaga. I was uh, watching something to do with this pay-per-view today, and I don't want to make it a running theme, but other wrestling fan comments, I saw a YouTube comment in which somebody said, Ric Flair's kind of always been enhancement talent, really, if you think about it. Uh, in, in what way? What? <laughs> I have no idea. The fact that he occasionally puts people over. Well, he, does, I, he, does he mean in a way that even if he beats someone, he makes someone look good in defeat? I think the guy was calling him a jobber. Okay. Well, I can't agree with that because... No. He didn't... He but he did do the job excellently in this match. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I... Okay, so I get that Umaga was this new monster that they were pushing, but still, a, like, three-minute squash, I thought was crazy that they did that to Ric Flair. Well, I guess that's just, just how much they were really building Umaga up. I... I looked up when because I didn't rem even remember him really in in two thousand. Yeah, I thought this he, was too he early. Debuted, for him, but obviously not. So he had debuted uh, uh, the Raw after WrestleMania, April fourth. So he was three yeah. weeks old yeah. at this point. Uh, and and I th again, I thought it was good booking because like you've got this new monster that you really want to push, put him against the legend and and squash the legend. Um, you know, if you take all of this gross stuff and all of this ridiculous attitude era stuff away and just look at this show and how it's booked on paper, maybe Vince McMahon does need to go back and watch a show that he booked uh, 14 years yeah, ago. Yeah, because this was great stuff. Like you said, this wasn't the best wrestling show I've ever seen, but it was a lot of fun to watch. So, And you can't say that all That's too because often it, it was Because it was well-paced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you. No, I quite enjoyed this. I thought Ric Flair, it, 
if you're going to get somebody to to get squashed in three minutes against like a relatively new guy, Ric Flair's your man. He looked like the wily vet just getting beaten so, uh, to a pulp here. So Conrad is obviously married to the Flair family. Um, and he was saying that uh, Flair did the job a lot in this era to try and get the new, you know, he was winding down and to try and get the roster over. But I didn't realise that. I thought he, you know, he managed evolution and then he went on to like a retirement phase. Oh no, he definitely had like a, a little period where he was just losing six minute Smackdown matches. He, I think he even put over Kenny That's Dixter crazy. Uh, crazy. at one point. I yeah. realise he was just. Ha- I think he was just having fun just, at that point. He didn't really care. Yeah, he just, just liked happy being to still involved. Be on the road. Uh, next yeah. up, Trish Stratus versus Mickey James, and Trish Stratus like pulls her shoulder out of her joint. Oh, she got uh, a dislocated shoulder. Yeah, yeah, and it actually looked. She was brutal. out for a long time. It, it, within these six to seven minutes, uh, Jerry Lawler made an illegal immigrant joke, and then went on to talk about with JR JR still accountable for the whole match about how they would both like these women to be their girlfriends <laughs> <laughs> I just like you know I lost the will here um do you remember back in 2006 that Mickey James and Trish Stratus at, at least at WrestleMania yeah. was given so much buzz because it was an actual match yeah their WrestleMania match for sure people yeah, people people were really big into this because they couldn't believe that two women could wrestle each other. Is this this is after the Lita match though, isn't it? On Raw. Oh, that was two thousand three. Yeah, yeah. But that was a one off. Uh, well, this um, only got four minutes, and then it ended in well, I don't, disqualification. But I th- I think maybe did it end early because Trish was injured. Yeah, I think this was completely unplanned. I I think it was meant to go at least eight minutes, but uh, I think they impromptu. Uh, you can clearly see Trish Stratus walking Mickey through this because she gets back in the ring after that horrible bump um, she tries to get up and do a couple of moves and then she has a quiet word with Mickey and says basically this is not working I can't move and then she pulls that piece of cloth off her costume and sort of throws it at Mickey so that Mickey can then choke her with it to get the DQ. Mm. So that was very good, quick thinking by Trish. But at this point, she was a vet- veteran, yeah. wasn't she? And she will, she'll go down as a legend. Don't you feel that Mickey James has had a bad run in her career? Really? Like I don't. Yeah, I feel sorry for Mickey people James. People won't really consider her a legend, but she really has done a lot of great stuff. She's been in some great matches across like four different companies. She reminds me of Gail Kim without a uh, impact base to to call home. Yeah, Gail Kim will go down as a TNA legend. And I feel like Mickey James ain't got that, even though she did some just as good stuff in uh And she's TNA. always been a, a great wrestler. You you know when Mickey turns up, even in this era of trash, sexist wrestling, that when Mickey turns up you're gonna have a decent match. And it's just it's just a shame that her legacy at this point is being Nick Aldis's husband. She deserves so much better than that. Yeah, I feel like uh, another good couple of years and she's going to somewhat get forgotten about and she doesn't really deserve it. Yeah. Which is a shame. Anyway, this next one was kind of fun, don't you think? Uh. Rob Van Dam versus Shelton Benjamin. Winner takes all Intercontinental versus Money in the Bank. RVD was uh, Mr. Money See, in the Bank. See, again, great booking. A great, really great booking, great pacing. But I don't feel like... I still thought this was a really good match. But I don't... RVD looked like a superstar. He definitely here, did, yeah. But I don't think it was what the uh, booking team actually wanted from them. I think everybody was expecting a real fast-paced roller coaster match from these two, and they actually slowed it down and had a proper match. Yeah, it went on a bit too long. I thought. I think it was for what they were doing. Yeah, but I, I, I Rob Van Dam looked awesome here, and it was quite clear that he was jet setting onto a WWE Championship run at this point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just it's just really cool to see Rob Van Dam against Shelton Benjamin both in their primes. That made me happy. I've always had a soft spot for Shelton Benjamin. He does it. Maybe be- he did an insane leap to the top rope into a superplex here. Yeah, like he was cool because he was he was big. Well, I mean, he's still going. He's big, but he's so athletic as well. And, I mean, this really showcases the crowd that we have because they were putting on a a really good match and they were shouting, the crowd was shouting for Shelton Benjamin's mum, Mama. Oh, yeah, so this had just uh, started, this storyline, where his his mama 
comes to the ring with him. I don't know why this is. It's just. Do you not remember this? Yeah, but it's just. Yeah, yeah. Bullshit racial stereotyping, isn't it? Yeah, but it went on for a long time, didn't it? This was his gimmick for a while. I'm. I've told you before. I'll tell you again. I am convinced when Vince McMahon finally watches a film that he finds funny, it then becomes part of wrestling. So he had obviously just watched The Nutty Professor, starring Eddie Murphy, and realised that Sean Benjamin was black. So yeah, let's go do that. Oh God, I hope not. I really think that's where his ideas come from. What's the next big comedy that he's going to (laughs) watch? That's that's super bad. (laughs) (laughs) I, I also want to agree with you on what you said, I think, a couple of podcasts ago. This is where I really looked at the arena they definitely used to make smaller crowds look way bigger because this had 14,000 people in it and yet yeah. it feels way bigger than uh, what a Raw does these days pre-COVID. Well, how many would they squeeze into Raw back then? Like four or 5,000? No, no, so, like, so in 2018, 19, whatever. Oh, nowadays it's, yeah. the, it's the same, pretty much most places, it's the same size as this pay-per-view was okay yeah and yeah and then it always looks like a small crowd it's not a small crowd it's just um uh, it just uh, i don't know how to explain it but it they just feel like it's separated like they're not really a part of the show it's just a backdrop i don't know yeah but but when it's a smaller arena it feels so much more intimate and everyone's like involved it feels like a real wrestling show I thought this match overall had pacing issues. It was like they tried to go for a slow start into a fast finish, but somewhere along the line it just got a little bit sloppy. Uh, and I think that that was the main issue with with the match. But overall there were some really good moments in this, and it definitely gave that much-needed sort of pep-up uh, for the viewer experience. Because at this point, I know we've been quite not kind to the pay-per-view, but we had a four-minute women's match, a squash match, and a opener that apparently most of the population went into. Yeah. So this was a much-needed sort of zinger Shot of adrenaline to, to get going again. Yeah. Yeah. Although, even back then, RVD has his five moves of doom. You know? He didn't He didn't mix it up much, did he? Post-ECW. Nah, nah. But, I mean, you're paying to see, you're paying to see it. Like, if, if you go see Rey Mysterio and he doesn't do a 619 then you're going to get upset, even though the 619 is actually sometimes quite a stupid move because everybody always seemingly goes on that second rope even big show. when Rey Mysterio's around. Yeah. But when Rey Mysterio isn't around, I have never seen anybody go on the second rope. Ever, ever. ever. <laughs> <laughs> At least not like that. Maybe they're back to it sometimes. But uh... Super weird seeing Big Show with hair, isn't it? Well, about hair... Why does Kane shave the front part of his head and lets the back part of his head grow out a bit? Because I guess that's what, like, murderers look like. Right. Murderers take a lot of time to shave half of their head so that they look scarier in the mirror. They it do just, that. It looks... It's very weird. And I, yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. Anyway, this match is Big Show versus Kane. <laughs> and they used to be tag team partners until Kane started a movie... And then now has decided he's going to be crazy again and turns on Big Show. Big Show doesn't know why. And it turns out Kane's hearing voices, which is the premiere date of his new movie. And I mean, the whole feud as well started, which I found hilarious from Big Show accidentally saying May 19th. <laughs> That's why, where all of this is coming from. This was the shits, man. This was so bad, bro. I don't know. But but you know what? Actually, the first, the opening three minutes of this match was actually a really good big man match. Was it? And uh, it, yeah, it was. Uh, I was thinking. Well, I, I don't know. I was just looking at them. It's like you complain week in week out that nobody can have a big man match anymore. And I was looking at a Big Show and Kane. Definitely knew their position on the card. Yeah, but then it went another and, nine minutes. Yeah. Then it went really long. And then Kane had a meltdown, and Big Show just hit him with a chair, apparently to put him out of his misery. I had flies in the flat, and I was trying to shoo them in out through the window for like at least three minutes. I looked back to the TV, and they're still in the same arm lock. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it was a bit weird. Kane had a wrist lock on Big Show, and Big Show was on his knees. And then the commentary team kind of ran out of things to say, so JR kept saying, look how big Big Show is when he's on his <laughs> knees. He said that about four times. You, you always know when JR is, it thinks the match is really shit, because he's always he always says, without a doubt, oh, this one ain't pretty, folks. <laughs> it's like because it's rough and tumble no he means that he's bored and it got to, it got to the point with the wrist lock or whatever it was where i swear big show and kane just both stopped acting because they were just like we're bored by the shit that we're doing ourselves <laughs> <laughs> um this was this was really bad uh and then we've got we obviously had the classic um speaker system where kane himself starts screaming may 19th and the entire uh the entire venue goes red and um kane can't bear to hear the sound of his own voice so he starts banging his head against the 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 floor he has a full-on six-year-old strop yeah proper strop proper strop and then if if somebody's playing something on the speaker system and has turned the color of the lights to a different color and your mate is not really enjoying it because he's having some sort of ADHD issue or something. What do you do? Just hit him with a chair. <laughs> Works every time. With a chair because not only will you calm him down by putting him out of his misery, but you also get the lights to go back to normal and the speaker system to stop yeah, working. Of course. Problem solved. Jesus Christ, man. Like oh. what if you if there is any way to um make somebody remember a date, good or bad, this is it. Like I'll remember May nineteenth now for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, the saving grace is I mean, I don't know what happens going forward, but they did a pretty so the, good job of making Kane the baby face. Going forward But I bet uh, that's not what happened, right? Well no, go so going forward like Vengeance two thousand and six uh, I'm not sure where that was in context of May 19th, but it's revealed that it. No, it's not just about the movie coming out. And then there's Imposter Kane in a mask. Oh, okay. this is this storyline. Yeah, and okay. they have one one match at a pay per view um, after not having any promo time or whatever, and then Imposter Kane disappears again. Okay, and I'm pretty sure Imposter Kane. This may be wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. Imposter Kane was played by Luke Gallows. I've never heard that, but yeah, it might be true. That's pretty cool. Anyway. Anyway. Rating for this one, Ben? Oh, it's 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 not. It's a half a star, isn't it? Yeah, it's a half a star. Actually, I think Meltzer gave it minus. Yeah, he gave it a minus star. There wasn't enough flips in it for him. Yeah. <laughs> Big Show tries, but do you reckon he's going to do a, a, a superseder? In AEW. Watching this from 2006 made me wonder why AEW picked up Big Show in 2021. Yeah. I have a love-hate for Big Show because I really want to like him and then not many of his matches are very good. No. <laughs> and a lot of the time he's just sort of there. <laughs> in the background looking big. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It's, it's a, it was a funny one. It was nice to see the boys having a bit of play acting. You know what? I love Kane's theme song in this era with the little, with the little yep. vocals mixed in. Yeah, it's definitely my favorite era of Kane. This was no, I prefer, was I prefer the, the mask on. Oh, so no, this was the only era of Kane that, I, like, I was obsessed with because I, he was the only character that I played on SmackDown vs Raw 2006. I think one of the like first DVDs I ever owned was Kane versus Shane McMahon, where Kane fries Shane's testicles, and that kind of just like I don't know what happened that to my brain, but I thought Kane was yeah, the at coolest. At that point, you're like, I'm yeah. a fan. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then we got the God match, which we've already spoken about, and then we've got Matt Striker's classroom. Yeah. Which, well, do you reckon this just happened because the pay per view fell short, so they threw them out there just to fill some time? Well, I assumed at first that they needed a break between the God match yeah. and the main, right? But then I saw the actual content of this. Seemed a little I, rushed. Did didn't somebody it? actually actually write this? I, this feels like an impromptu. It, just quickly go out there and fill some time. 
Yeah, because also I know it's it's a it's a sort of double-edged sword the the bit before between two big matches because you are out there to sort of chill the crowd out. But at the same time it's good exposure. Like I'm not really sure they wanted to exposure for Eugene and Matt no. Striker. Well, I don't know, Matt Striker was on a quite a mad push at this point, right? But but I'm not quite sure when he Eugene came in. Eugene was just a lower mid-carder forever. I mean, that character could never get over properly. This uh, this really doesn't stand up with today's company well, values. Well, it's toilet humour, which Vince but, loves. But just just the like the actual calling out of the fact that Eugene has oh, special right, yeah, needs, yeah. and he's he's like playing with his hair and sucking his thumb and. Like I, this just well, that was the character, today. wasn't it? Was... J- Jerry Lawler, after messing up all night with just horrible things that he was saying, called uh, he he insulted two communities within two words by calling Eugene a mental midget. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I, um, a lot of King's yeah. um, commentaries must get bleeped out on Peacock, surely. Definitely during it the has ad, to, you know? right? So just to, just I'll, I'll take play by play for this one. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Matt Matt Stryker comes out, calls the Kentucky crowd really stupid. Um, he says the only intelligent person in the entire county is him. Um, Eugene comes out for no reason. Matt Stryker tries to teach Eugene how to name. spell um, his own name. Eugene writes Matt Matt Stryker is poop. Um, Matt Stryker gets mad. Eugene picks his nose to be what looks like a real bogey that he must have kept in there for the special occasion. The crowd cheer. (laughs) Matt Stryker's like, no, don't you dare eat that. Don't eat that. Please don't eat that. The crowd cheer some more. (laughs) And then... Eugene stuffs his bogey in Matt Stryker's mouth and the crowd just go mental. And this was this was Matt Stryker's learning room for Backlash That's 2006. good shit, brother. Good shit, pal. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the crowd goes crazy. The biggest pop of the night, almost. Um, I assume Vince McMahon was having a shower at this point. Eugene was really over, wasn't he? I think he was just like... Yeah, people loved him. But I'm not sure why. Well, because he was just a lovable character. He's like the ultimate underdog, isn't he? It's just you can't not like someone... I think he's kayfabe Eric Bischoff's nephew. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's how he he came in. Right. Eric Bischoff gave him a job. Well, there you go. That was a fun toilet break after we watched God. What a, what a, a man having a mental breakdown. What a weird show, man. What a weird one. This is a really weird show. It was a, it was a good one to pick. Uh, but I think a lot of 2006 have really weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think, there's gonna, I think we're going to definitely be delving into this year some more. We'll definitely get the podcasts actually done. <laughs> uh, so then we're on to the main event. Well, it's John Cena versus uh, Edge versus Triple H. And am I right in thinking the actual feud was Cena versus Triple H and Edge kind of inserted himself since Mania. Yeah, Cena, Cena H was the WrestleMania match from the month before, which I remember really enjoying. And then uh, I think Edge was coming off New Year's Revolution where he actually cashed in against yeah. Cena. So he was kind of the back burner for Okay, feud. cool. Uh, Cena was a prick. No wonder people hated him back then. What? <laughs> he no, did uh, he did a uh, promo before this match and it's just like wh- why would you like this guy? Just the way he was talking. Mm. Not likable at all. And then we get into the match and he's meant to be the babyface, Edge is meant to be the heel and Triple H is kind of meant to be the tweener. But uh, John Cena is like trying to do this one-upmanship with Triple H and just comes across as a massive asshole. He was really quite annoying in this match. Um yeah. he kept doing stuff that was out of his sort of usual move set almost to say look I can do other things but it didn't work at all and it didn't gel and yeah, he it, did a frog splash d- at one point it felt like he was being really self-conscious trying to prove to people that he could actually wrestle but do you know why he f- was self-conscious because he's against Triple H and Edge well because he won 
and then Triple H knocked oh, him yeah. out, and then the show ends on Triple H's music, who just lost. See, I would have had That's a problem. That's a massive fuck you. I would have had a problem with that if not for uh, the fact that Triple H looked like an absolute babyface superhero in this match, despite the fact that he's the heel. Yeah, this was this was a ta- a, a, a match of two halves for me. Really, the, I thought the f- the opening sort of ten minutes was really standard, bog standard triple threat stuff where one guy sits on the floor while the other two go at it and then once um triple h bled i think hard way because he was bleeding fucking everywhere oh i thought he bladed but just quite deeply i don't know it was a lot it was a lot of blood i rewound it and uh he gets thrown against the ring post and it almost seems too quick for him to blade but he was on the floor quite a bit before that, I just assumed. Maybe. I don't know. Whatever. But, I mean, anyway, the blood was insane. The, yeah. I think the most blood I've seen since the Eddie Guerrero-JBL bull road match. I, I was thinking that this is definitely the most I've ever seen Triple H bleed. Yeah, maybe he but, maybe uh, did bleed, but maybe he went too deep by accident. But, that, I mean, that yeah. completely changed the tone of the match, and it suddenly there was so much heat towards this. Uh, where there hadn't been beforehand. So, that I mean, it's a good example of sometimes blood actually really, really adds to the thing. Yeah, it definitely does. Because, like you say, it made Triple H look like the star of the show. I mean, the the blood was just dripping on, like, profusely onto John Cena's arm while John Cena had Triple H in the FE. Yeah. Well, Edge does a DDT on Triple H on the announcer's table yeah and then when they roll off the announcer table is just covered in red it's quite it's quite crazy yeah. it's is i understand why they don't do it now to keep people safe but it's is it is missing from wrestling it was weird to see this and i think what i mean someone bladed in the mcmahon match right i'm sh- i'm sure did they did they i don't think so or maybe i just felt like they did but it, it was weird to see that much blood on a wrestling show in general um, I think it was just because of how much Triple H bled. It was a lot. You could tell that this is early in the Cena run by that finish. Yeah. I I can't imagine them doing that to him in two th- by two thousand and eight at all. Uh, Triple H goes for a pedigree. John Cena um, uh, reverses it and then just kind of does the roll up thing. Well, he did. What is not was that called? That move called where you kind of flip over the guy and then you're just laying on top of him. I'm not really sure. It's like some variation of a schoolboy. Yeah, but it's like you got their legs and a then you Boston flip Crab over. or something. Yeah, I know, I've never known what that kind of pin's called, but yeah, it's basically like a quick roll-up win, isn't it? Yeah, which is again them telling the story that uh, everybody thinks John Cena can't wrestle, be out wrestles the wrestler. I just I didn't I don't not don't really have time for that sort of stuff. So how long does this feud go for? Do you know, Cena and Triple H? I think that's it. Really? Because yeah, Triple H yeah. Doesn't, that finish where Triple H knocks him out and then he's celebrating on the ramp. You can't tell me they don't have one more match. At least for pay per view, I don't remember a, a match because if you think about it, they had. Um, a SmackDown pay-per-view, then they had the ECW show. By the time they got to another Raw pay-per-view, I think they were gearing up for um, Sean and Triple H. So, right. I mean, maybe they had a blow-off on Raw, but they didn't have a pay-per-view Because that ECW until... was Cena versus RVD. Is it that one? Yes. The ECW show, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, they didn't have a match again until Night of Champions 2008. So, Triple H just got a free... Fuck you over John That's Cena. That's crazy. The, the way they finished that, I would have thought another three months of them going at it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't really understand why they've only had, as far as I can remember, two singles matches against each other. Because they're just money. That was money, bro. Like, why weren't they printing money for they that? They had another Mania match, didn't they? No, it was a triple threat, wasn't it, with Randy? Yeah, there's only two singles matches that I can remember them ever having. Wow. They never had a proper feud. Wow, that's crazy. You would have thought... I guess nobody wanted to lose. So I suppose Batista comes on the scene as a main event around right now as well, right? Mm. And then he feuds with Triple H a lot. He's well, no, he's on SmackDown. But they, oh, was it before this? It would have been two thousand and four. I mean, this period just before Triple H settled down is really atrocious in some ways. Like he, he, um, he had matches in two thousand and seven where he was beating Carlito in like three minutes. Like there was a, this this match that he had with Carlito where he 
Triple H wasn't allowed to use weapons. Carlito was allowed to use all of the weapons that he wanted. And it was just a squash. <laughs> and then he um, he had a match with the returning King Booker from injury, which went like six minutes right. and was a squash. Oh this was like peak Triple H squash era. era. Oh, so not the nice Triple H. But you no. could tell with that finish, the way he walked out, that he, you know, he thought he was the... Yeah. The man. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, I love this Triple H as a wrestler, but I prefer our Uncle Trips <laughs> as a person. So, Uncle Dave gave it four and a quarter stars. I gave it three and three quarters. You can actually. tell back in this day that uh, uh, Meltzer really liked the product. Compared yeah, well, to I didn't have much else to watch, did he? I'm sure he was doing New Japan at this point. TNA was probably just slightly below the radar in 06. It was 06, 07, they would have become a bit more mainstream. Yeah. But just the quality of the way it's put together, the thought that's put into it, this is thousands of miles away from WWE these days. The pay-per-views th- these these days are always good, but like they're not booked like this. They're not booked with places and spaces where people can breathe. Putting two different matches to on one after the other instead of just giving us the same match three times. They just don't know how to seem to know how to do this anymore. Too many chefs in the kitchen. Maybe. And with the brand split, there was less uh, wrestlers to try and fit onto the card. Yeah. Back then. Now there's just there's just too many people to try and fit into a three-hour show. The fans have become sick of six-hour shows, so they're kind of stuck in that middle rut, aren't they, where everyone gets a ten-minute slot. I wouldn't necessarily that say that this was a, a great show, but it was a show that I enjoyed. It was fun. And it was more fun than anything we've seen recently. But the yeah, but the wrestling wasn't good. Because I was going to say it's more fun than a lot of AEW pay-per-views, but at least AEW pay-per-views, you got one or two really good wrestling matches. I would say to anyone that they should check out the main, check out the Vince McMahon God stuff, and then check out RVD Benjamin only if they're interested. But the rest is just really well, skippable. You know what? I don't remember ever watching this show, but I have definitely seen that God match before. We've both we've both watched this before. We both owned the DVD. Yeah, but I'm not sure I've actually watched the entire show. I think I've just watched the God match. Maybe. Well, I mean, that was a big thing. That was, a bit, I would think, at least amongst our community, that made quite a few waves because it was just so batshit crazy that everybody needed to yeah. see it. Yeah, it was. Well, that was Backlash 2006. I reckon we're going to do some more 05, 06 stuff down the line. Oh, yeah. Because... Uh, yeah, 07, even 07. That that era is really uh, good memories for me. Lots of and fun. And eventually we're going to get back on WCW. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Well, man, I'm pretty sure our next WCW show is RoboCop. I can't remember where we are with it. It's been a while. I think we did. We never just refused to. We just refused to watch WrestleMania yeah. six. And then that was it. We <laughs> gave up with it. Uh, so yeah. cool. Cool. Uh, all right. Until next time, keep it botched up, brother.